that started way back when, and they were familiar with that. They also had in Corinth what's known as the Ithmian Games, and they were very well familiar with uh, the process and uh, the procedures involved in those athletic events. So it was kind of natural for Paul to contextualize the gospel message and frame it with athletic imagery. So let's pick up with that athletic imagery in verse number 23, which is really the closing verse to what Sandra said, but nonetheless it helps us establish context and we'll reach back into those few verses. Verse number 23 is where I'll begin reading. Paul says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I might become a fellow, partake, a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Well, since we did leapfrog a little bit, it's necessary to set this in context. So let's lift ourselves up higher over this passage and look down on it from verses 19 all the way through the end of the chapter. And there's some things in there that ought to jump out at you. Notice what it is that Paul says in verse 19. He says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more. Now, if you go ahead and read through that, you'll find that there are several things that are unique. Number one is the repetition of this word, win. And I'm not going to tell you how many times. Just peruse it and do like I do. Take you a pen and underline every time you encounter that word when. Then also you'll notice there is also a proliferation or a repetition of the word so that. And so that is what, Cliff? You got it. It's a purpose clause. Paul's telling us why he is doing what he's doing. And those are always easy picking for us to understand what it is that Paul is saying. Now notice as we come on down into verse, uh, verses 24 through 27, which is the heart of our text today where he really brings this athletic imagery to the table. He also uses this word again. He says in verse 24, run in such a way that you may win. So I think we can say that the theme that ties all of this together is winning. So I want to speak to you on this subject, and again, we may look at this for the next couple of weeks as this theme pervades the next several uh, uh, passages that Paul pens. I want us to look at winning at grace in 2023. And boy, what a good time for us to look at. Here it is, a brand new year, the 1st of January, and as we look at the prospect and promise of a new year that is in front of us, Nobody comes today saying, I hope that 23 is worse than 22. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody who would in their right mind say that. Uh, nobody wants just to be mediocre. Nobody wants to get, go backwards. Everybody has the hope and aspiration, at least on this day, that the next year is going to be better than the one we're leaving, right? And man, I, I hope it is not only for you personally, 
But I hope it's better for us corporately, not that 22 was bad. You're going to hear in John Wilson's story in a while that 22 was pretty good to us. God was good to Grace Church in, 20, in 2022. But what is it going to take for us, Michael, to move the ball down the field even more in 2023? What is it going to take for us to win at Grace in 2023? And those victories can be personal, but they certainly can be corporate. So let's look at this, this theme today of winning. And you know, a lot has been said about that. I mean, all you have to do is look into this athletic imagery and you can find a lot of folk that have a lot to say about winning. Uh, one of my favorites is Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi said that winning is not everything, it is... Say it. It's the only thing. That's right. And uh, boy, how true that is in some circumstances. He also said this. He said, if you don't win, your opponent will. Now boy, I think that frames it, does it not? Because if we don't have victory, the other team is. So let's take Paul's athletic imagery and set it in a spiritual context. What is or who is our opponent spiritually? And if we don't win, he will win. Huh? You better believe it. Now who wants that guy to be victorious and doing a, a, a victory dance celebration in the end zone after he's just ran the ball down our throat? Nobody does. But hear me. If we don't win, he will. He's going to. And you know... We see him winning so many times and it's not that he is so good. It's just that we lay down and let him win. Now look, I tell you, I have seen enough of families laying down and letting the devil win their kids. I've seen enough of daddies laying down and letting the devil destroy their families and be victorious over their families. I've seen too many folk lay down and let him steal their victory. Uh, one of my most hated commercials is running on TV right now. It has to do with vaping. I don't know if y'all get this on the channels you watch because Heather and I live way out in the country, you know. Just a woman and the kids and the dogs and me, you know. Uh, and, and we got this antenna sticking up and we only get a few channels, but it seems like every commercial break there's this, there's this commercial on about talking to you kids about vaping. Y'all get that one? I hate that commercial because that guy's already lost. If you got to learn how to do the Macarena or the bathrobe slide or whatever they call that thing in order to talk to a 13-year-old daughter, you have already lost. Huh? So what is it going to take for us to win at grace in 2023? Notice what this text says and I want to frame what Paul gives us in this athletic imagery around two major thoughts and we'll fill in some blanks under that. Number one, I think Paul tells us in verse number 23 how winning is defined. So how does Paul define winning? And you know, here's something for you. Do you know your definition of winning may not be accurate? You may be living a life of defeat because you don't realize that you are winning. Because you have a 
false concept of what winning should look like. Sometimes winning has to be redefined in context. So notice how it is that Paul defines winning. And hey, look, sometimes our, our definition of winning and what a victory is is way too high and lofty. Sometimes we set our goals so high that there's no way on God's green earth we could ever reach them in one year. So how do we define winning from the perspective of Paul? Well, a couple of things I think this passage tells us in verse number 23. I think Paul tells us, number one, winning is when the gospel is ultimately prioritized. Ultimately prioritized. Now check out what he says in verse 23. I do all things for the sake of the gospel. There it is. There is Paul's priority in life. Everything he does. Now hear me. Nobody is so spiritual that they're operating in whatever our preconceived mode of spirituality is 24-7. But here's what Paul does say. Even the things that I have to do just to maintain biotic life, just to maintain physical life, I do those things for the sake of the gospel. You know what? how we can translate that? Paul says, hey, I have to work 40 hours a week, but you know what my main priority is in my job? Not a paycheck on Friday, but being a witness for the gospel and moving the ball downfield through my employment. You see, that's what he's talking about, about prioritizing the gospel. And everything I do, no matter what it is, whether it's going out to eat lunch after church, whether it's conducting business on Wednesday, whether it's a social visit on Friday, no matter what it is, I'm doing that for the sake of the gospel. So here's a goal for some of us. Look what Paul says. I mean, Paul can say this because he was the Apostle Paul. I do all things for the sake of the gospel. You know how you get there? You get there by doing some things for the sake of the gospel. I mean, I don't expect myself I don't expect you to be like the Apostle Paul overnight and do everything for the sake of the gospel. By golly, if we're going to grow and move the ball downfield, we ought to be doing more things for the sake of the gospel in 2023 than we were in 22. Isn't that right? So what are some things that you can do for the sake of the gospel? Hey, let's start there. Let's start with one thing. This is what I'm going to do for the sake of the gospel. And I'm going to prioritize this. And can I say to you that you are successful when you prioritize the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. You're successful. You are a personal success if you prioritize the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now look, so many times we look to results. It's not so much the results as it is the fact that you are prioritizing the gospel. Because so much of the, of the results in this realm of spirituality are out of your control. But by golly, you can move the ball downfield a little bit by prioritizing the gospel. So check out number two. Notice what else Paul says. How is winning defined from Paul's perspective? Well, number one, when the gospel is ultimately prioritized. But number two, when the gospel is inwardly powerful. Check out what he says in verse 23. Here he says, for I do all things for the sake of the gospel. Man, I, I, I would like us to just spend a little time right there and that word all, put a circle around it and maybe write some over it and now in the margin of your Bible put these are the things I'm going to do for the sake of the gospel in 2023. I'm going to be more consistent in my spiritual disciplines. 
in my Bible reading, in my prayer time. I'm going to be more consistent in my participation in the body at Grace Church. In 2023, I'm going to share the gospel. In 2023, I'm going to go on a cross-cultural mission trip. What are some of those things? What is, what is some things, what is one thing that we're going to do for the gospel in 2023? But notice part number two of that verse. Verse number 23, he says, So that, and here is, here's Paul's purpose statement, So that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Now what in the world does that mean? Notice, he doesn't mean a fellow participant with it. He says a fellow partaker in it. I think here's how winning is defined by the Apostle Paul. Number one, when the gospel is ultimately prioritized, doing all things or some things for the sake of the gospel. But number two, when the gospel is inwardly powerful. It's inwardly powerful. Paul said that I may become a partaker in it. You know what he means? He means this. He means that when I personally experience the benefits of the gospel in my own life. And you know, that's what a lot of people today are trying to experience, the benefits of the gospel. Those supernatural benefits that only come in Christ Jesus. Peace that passes all understanding. Uh, uh, you name the benefits, a security, uh, 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 faith, courage, confidence, all of those things. We want to experience those benefits, but you only experience those benefits as you begin to do things for the sake of the gospel. You can't remain aloof from the gospel and at the same time enjoy the privileges and benefits that it bestows. And could this be the reason why so many folk today who are professing believers, really their life is a mess and you really can't tell any difference in them inwardly than you can just a good optimistic fortunate lost person because they're not participating in the gospel. And here's what Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And here he's talking about the inward transformation, the difference that it makes in my life. Because get this, if it hasn't made a difference in your life, it's not going to make a difference through your life. So Paul says, I prioritize the gospel. Why? For this purpose. So that I might be a fellow partaker of it. Man, if you want to experience the benefits of the gospel, then you've got to prioritize the gospel and do at least some things for the sake of the gospel. Something to, and it could be things that you wouldn't do for anybody else. And isn't that really what it's about? Lord, I'm doing this for you. I don't know if I'd do it for myself or for anybody else, but I do this for you. So notice, here's what he says. Here's how winning is defined for the Apostle Paul. When the gospel is ultimately prioritized, when the gospel is inwardly powerful, it's changed me, and I'm experiencing its benefits on a daily basis. I'm a fellow partaker of it. But number three, when the gospel is outwardly productive. Outwardly productive. And I think these come in this order. You see, number one, if it's not prioritized, and it's not inwardly powerful, then it's not going to be productive through you. Check out what Paul says in verses 19 through 22. Look what he says, all of this stuff. For I am free, for though I am free from all men, I've made myself a slave to all so that I may look. 
win more. Check out as he brings all of this down in verse number 22. To the weak I become weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that I may by all means save some. And you see what Paul is saying? Paul doesn't even have unrealistic expectations. Are all going to be saved? Absolutely not. Are some going to be saved? You better believe they are. And how does Paul plan on seeing the gospel be outwardly productive in his life? Well, it comes from having, uh, having the gospel ultimately prioritized, doing all things for the sake of the gospel, having the gospel inwardly powerful so that I may become a fellow partaker of it, and then finally when it's outwardly productive. So what would it look like at Grace for us to win? Here's what it would look like. It would look like us tightening the ship up, would it not? Doing more things for the sake of the gospel. It would look like more folk being personally transformed through participation in the gospel and experiencing its benefits. And then ultimately it would look like more folk being born again. Because grace, you have been an effective witness. So check out number next. Not only does Paul tell us how winning is defined, but Paul tells us on what winning depends in verses 24 through 27. So if we're going to do that, if we're going to prioritize the gospel, if we're going to see the gospel be inwardly powerful in our lives and outwardly productive in our community, then what does it depend? What, what must we do in order to get there in 2023? Well, there's a couple things. Let me go off text, off page for one minute because this fits so in with these and we're going to come right back to this text. Here's what it need, means. Number one, it, winning requires confidence in His ability. Winning requires confidence in His ability. Because aren't you a little bit afraid to step on the playing field? I mean, we all are. Because we all wonder, can I do it? But guess what? That's the wrong question. The question is, can He do it through you? Because here's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. For I can do all things through Christ who? He's not called you to make brick without straw. He's not entered you into this race for you to run it on your own strength. He is the one who's going to do it through you. And can I say, He's able. He's able. So if we don't get on the playing field, we're really not saying anything about what we believe about ourselves, but we're saying a whole lot about what we believe about Him. And we might as well be saying, I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can do it through me. I don't think you can do it through Grace Church. So to get on the playing field, to enter into the competition, number one requires... Confidence in His ability. He's gifted you. He inhabits you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And if He's called you to do it, He has not called you to failure. He has not. He has not called you to embarrassment. Didn't He say, For all who believe in the name of Christ shall not be put to shame? <laughs> he's not called us to that. But He's called us to victory. Here's what He says in Romans chapter number 8. For you are more than conquerors, more than victors, more than winners.
sinners in Christ Jesus. So check out next. And I think we're back to this text in verse number 24. Winning requires confidence in His ability. But number 2 in verse 24, winning requires courage to take risk. Look what Paul says in verse number 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? So here, here are folk who got in the race, and they got in the race because they were, number one, courageous enough to step on the track with other people. Now, let's put that in spiritual terms for a little while. Man, God has, God has supernaturally gifted folk at Grace Church. Did you know that? He has. But if you don't have enough confidence to take risk, then it doesn't matter. You can be the most gifted person in the world and you'll sit right there. You've got to be courageous enough to risk in an athletic competition getting smoked, right? Huh? But that's because you're running against other athletes. If you don't have courage to take that risk, you'll never win. Here's one way I can assure that you are not going to win. It's to not get in the game. If you don't get in the game, you are not going to win. There's zero chances. My son asked me the other day, he said, Dad, if I come over and go deer hunting, you think we'll kill something? I said, well, just hide and tell you. <laughs> you know the rest of it. Huh? You got a whole lot better chance by going than you do by sitting at home watching a football game. So get in the game. And you know it's like that with everything, whether it's personal or whether it's church. Do you know God has a future for you that's better than you could even conceive for your own self? We call that God's preferable future. But do you know what you got to do in order to get to God's preferable future? You've got to risk what you have right now. And are you willing to put what you have right now on the line in order to get to where God wants you to be? And if you're not willing to take that faith risk, then you'll never get there. And so many people today are, are, are just content to sit where they are like they are even though they're not happy. They know that. And there's security in at least knowing my own demons. But God's got a future for you. And if we don't get in the race, don't have the courage to get in the race, we'll never win it. Now let me get back to some of these gifted people. Have y'all noticed, and I, you know, I normally ask folk, can I use them for an example before I do? But I didn't ask this one, so I'm just going to call some folk out. Is that all right? I mean, this is the first of the year. Let's turn over a new leaf. Let's just be open and honest here. Preacher going to start calling folk out, naming sins, huh? No, I'm not going to. You know better than that. Uh, how many of you have, have recognized that Katie Dollar is a gifted Bible teacher? Anybody recognize that? Katie? Was it easy the very first time you stood up here and taught a Sunday school class? Were you scared to death? Were you shaking? Did you pray all week? Did you say, I'm going to call Pastor Richie on Friday and tell him I can't do it? That's exactly right. I do too. Every Sunday morning I tell Heather, baby, call him, tell him I can't come today. I just can't make it today. Yeah, I know what you mean. I do the same thing. But look at here. Katie, even... Standing on knocking knees 
stood up here and said, God, I believe you've given me the ability and the gift to do this. And if I don't get out now and do it, I may never do it. And have you noticed every time Katie gets up here, she gets more confident and more confident and more confident? Well, that's what Paul's talking about. Winning requires confidence in his ability. And winning requires courage to take risk. But now here's where I want to spend the rest of my time in verse number 24. Winning requires commitment. Now this is going to throw you a curve, ain't it? It requires commitment to whom? To yourself. To yourself. I mean, does it bother you sometimes that we're, sometimes we're just so tight but spiritual that we ain't even real? Huh? You ever notice that? And you automatically think that commitment is not to me, but commitment is to Christ, right? Well, that's true, but look what Paul says right here in this verse. Look what he says in verse number 24. Here it is, it's key. Here's the imperative in this entire section. Run in such a way that, look, you may win. Run in such a way that you may win. Friend, that's a commitment to you. Do you care about yourself enough that you want to be victorious? Do you care about yourself enough that you want to win? Because what Paul is saying here, I put it in bold letters on your outline. Give yourself the opportunity to win. And if you don't give yourself the opportunity to win, you are giving your opponent the opportunity to walk off with a victory. Unopposed, unchallenged. Give yourself the opportunity to win. And that's what Paul says when he says, Run in such a way that you may win. Hey, do you care about yourself enough to want to have a victorious life? And again, I don't know of anybody who's mentally and emotionally and spiritually stable that would answer that question and say no. I don't want to live a victory. I want to be defeated my whole life. So if you care enough about yourself to win, then by golly, you've got to give yourself the opportunity to win. And here's the problem so many times. So many times we just don't give ourselves an opportunity to do that. And without giving yourself the opportunity, you never will. So you can imagine in these next several verses, Paul's going to tell you how to do what he's just commanded you to do. He says, run in such a way that you may win. Now you understand the metaphor here. Look, Paul talks about in a race, you're competing against other athletes. In the spiritual race, get this, we are not competing against one another. You're not my opponent, Alyssa. I'm not trying to outrun you. As the old adage says, if I don't have to outrun the bear that's chasing me. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> that's not what he's talking about here. This is not a competition between believers. You know who Paul frames the competition as being against? Yourself. Yourself. Myself. Because reality is, I'm the only one that can take myself out of the game. I'm the only one that can remove the opportunity for victory from my life. You can't do that. Only I can do it. 
And so many times we are losing the race not because the opponent's better, but because we've not given ourselves the opportunity because we're our own worst enemy. Make no mistake about it, this competition is against you, yourself. How many football coaches have you heard when they're interviewed with their head down, disappointed at the end of the game, saying, they didn't win, we lost? You see the difference? If you don't show up to play, your opponent's going to win. So notice what Paul does here as he talks to us about giving ourselves the opportunity to win. What will it take in 223 2023 for us to win as a church and for you to win personally, to give yourself the opportunity to win. Here it goes. Write them down real quick. We're going to run through them. Number one in verse number 25, Paul says it's going to take agonizing determination. Agonizing determination. Look at verse number 25. Everyone who competes... You see that word compete? Underline it. Now, let me take you to Greek 101 class. Here is the Greek word. You tell me what English word we get from it. The Greek word is agonizo. What is it? Agony. You're right. It's agony. Friend, listen. Victory does not come cheaply. Have you ever noticed the couch potatoes rarely win? They don't. Have you ever seen some of those athletes that run these Ironman decathlon competitions? Son, it is agonizing. Agonizing. I mean, I listened to one of these guys the other day say that for three days after a competition, he's coughing up blood and passing blood in his urine. Son, that's agony. And Paul says they do that to win a perishable prize, a trophy. But we're running for something that is imperishable, that will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. It cannot pass away. My goodness. How many of you got a, got a, a box full of trophies somewhere in your attic at the house? Huh? I mean, I do. When we moved, I, I, I found trophies in there from the eighth grade. Oh, my gosh. And I can remember when I was in the 8th grade, that trophy was probably the most important thing in my life. Y'all would uh, think I was pretty weird if I built a trophy cabinet in my house. 8th grade most valuable player. Woo! Look at that. Huh? That's a pretty good idea. I might do that, as a matter of fact. Well, that trophy was important then, but not so much now. Agony, agony. Can I say to you that a spiritual victory in 2023 isn't going to come if you're a spiritual couch potato. You've got to want it enough to get down in the trenches spiritually and fight and claw and spit and wallow in the mud and the blood and everything else that's down there in order to win. It's not pretty sometimes, is it? It's not. And guess who you're fighting against? Fighting against yourself. Watch what Paul says here in just a minute. Give yourself the opportunity to win. Number one, if you're going to win, it's going to come through agonizing determination. Verse number 25 is also going to come through uncompromising dedication. Look what he says in verse 25. Everyone who competes, there's our word, agony, in the games exercises self-control. Self-control, there it is. It's, a, it's one of the flavors of the fruit of the Spirit. 
And it's dedication. Here's what it means. It means for the next 10 months, because that's how long these athletes were trained prior to these games, and they had a regiment set out. For the next 10 months, my life is dedicated to winning this race, and I'm going to exercise self-control in order to do that. Self-control. Again, I, I, I saw an Olympic commercial with some Olympic athletes, and here's what one of the, here's what one of the figure skaters said. She said, I've not slept past 4.30 in the morning for eight years. Because she's on the ice every morning at a quarter to five. Here's what one of the sprinters said. He said, I haven't tasted dessert in 12 years. My goodness, you mean, man, you don't have a cheat day where a little bit of chocolate delight can pass your lips? No, sir. Why? Because they want to win. And you see, you can't say yes to winning without saying no to all those things that keep you from winning. So if you say yes to this, then you've got to say no to a certain amount of things in your life. Because this is my priority. And this is my dedication, my uncompromising dedication. It's what it'll take to win in 2023. Number next, agonizing determination, uncompromising dedication. And verse number 26, it's going to take a clear sense of direction. A clear sense of direction. Look what Paul says. Therefore, you see what he said here? He said, you run in such a way. And then in verse number 26, he said, I run in such a way. And look what he says. Not without aim. You know what that means? It means Paul knew where the finish line was. Paul knew what direction he was going. He wasn't aiming at nothing because if you aim at nothing, guess what you'll do? You'll hit it every time. Paul had a clear sense of direction. And that clear sense of direction determined most everything he did in life. So can I ask you a question? Where are you going in 2023? Do you care enough about yourself to give yourself the opportunity to win spiritually? And who would say, no, I want to be spiritually defeated in 2023? Well, it's going to require, among other things, a clear sense of direction. What's your road map? Where are you going? And how are you going to get there? And Paul tells us. So it requires a clear sense of direction. Check out number next in that same verse. He uses two athletic imageries. He's talking about here running on a track. I run, it's the word treco. And, and Paul is saying, I stay in my lane, basically. Have you ever seen those races and you watch a guy get disqualified because he steps about that far across the line in somebody else's lane? Paul says, I treco, I run in my lane. And I don't run without aim. So he mixes his metaphor here. The one is on the track and another one is in a boxing ring. Look what he says. I box in such a way as not beating the air. So what is he talking about here? If we're going to win in 2023 and give ourselves the opportunity to win, number one, agonizing determination. Number two, uncompromising dedication. Number three, a clear sense of direction. And number four, by eliminating exhausting distractions. Exhausting distractions. Look what he said. I box in such a way as not beating the air. You know what he's talking about? 
He's talking about taking a swing at an opponent who don't exist. He's talking about throwing punches that never land. Do you know that in a boxing match, it requires an equal if not greater amount of energy to throw a hard punch that doesn't connect as it does one that does connect. Paul says, I don't have energy to waste fighting battles that are unimportant. Hey, it would do us good to figure out what battles are worth fighting. Because every time we draw up and we fight a battle that really isn't our responsibility and isn't really worth fighting, it's not a hill worth dying on, you know what we do? We become a little less productive a little more weakened, and we don't give ourselves the opportunity to win because we're swinging at stuff that doesn't matter. So what are things that doesn't matter? It's all of those things that are consuming our energy that we're swinging at that have no eternal significance at all. None. I can remember one of my professors in seminary gave us a weekly calendar, and it wasn't a weekly calendar that was marked off by days. It was a weekly calendar marked off by hours. He said, everybody has the same amount of hours in every week, 168. I've got them and you've got them. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to give an account for every hour. He says, I don't want you changing things. He said, don't go reading your Bible five hours a night just because you know I'm watching. He said, you do what you normally do because this is going to reveal some things to you. Your normal schedule, you take an account of every hour of your day. And friend, we were all embarrassed about how many hours we were spending a week on things that don't matter eternally. And how much shadow boxing we were doing. How many punches we were throwing in the air. How much energy we were expending for nothing. And Paul says if you want to win, you got to eliminate some of those Exhausting distractions. Number next, now don't check out on me because I've been preaching all day to get to this one. Here we, oh, by the way, I've got a friend. He, man, he's a great preacher. But he's got an internal clock inside of him. 25 minutes, boom, he's done. My New Year's resolution was to be a 25 minute preacher. I done blew that, hadn't I? <laughs> Look. Number, verse number 27. What's it going to take to win? Verse 27 tells us rigorous personal discipline. Look what he says. But I discipline my body. Now wait a minute. Who is your opponent? Yourself. Uh, what is Paul doing here? He's disciplining his body. And I make it my slave. You see that word discipline? In the original language it means to give a black eye. And here's what Paul's saying. He's not saying my body, my physical body is my opponent, but what he's saying, my physical body embodies so much of what defeats me. Because if I give in to the desires of the flesh and the aspirations of my flesh, if I give in to just what my body tells me to do, and hey, listen to me, you'll never win. You'll never win if you're a slave to your bodily cravings and appetites. You'll never win if you're a slave to your emotional appetites. 
Because, friend, I want to tell you, there's a lot of times I don't feel like doing it. It doesn't matter if you feel like doing it or not. you got to get it. you got to get it. I mean, Paul says be instant in season and out of season. Out of season in those days when you just don't feel like it. So let me ask you a question. Next Sunday, when you wake up and you just don't feel like being a part of Grace Church, you going to let your emotions and your feelings win? Or are you going to make them your slave? Because by golly, I'm giving myself the opportunity to win in 2023. It ain't going to be like it's always been. I'm fixing to pummel my body. I'm going to give my body, my emotions, my appetites, my flesh a black eye in order to be victorious spiritually. Look what Paul says. I discipline my body and make it my slave. Here's the purpose statement. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Now this has a double meaning. Because see this word preach? It referred to the guy at the games who would stand up and he would call out the rules to the contestants. But not only was he the guy calling out the rules, but he was also a competitor. He was a participant in the race. So if the one who calls out the rules violates the rules, is there any exception given to him? Absolutely not. It's even worse. He knew the rules. Now, check out what Paul says here. He says, So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. See that word disqualified? Underline it. Underline it. It's hugely important in this passage. And I am absolutely shocked and astounded about how many people think that Paul's talking about he's going to get to heaven and God's going to say, Sorry, son, you didn't make it. You didn't win. That is a non-biblical, heretical view of salvation. Because salvation is not won. Salvation is not earned. Salvation is granted by the grace of God based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. And friends, that victory is permanently and forever won. You can't lose that. As a matter of fact, there's textual evidence saying he's not talking about a loss or forfeiture of salvation. You know why? You see this word disqualified? This passage is etymologically connected to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul talks, we'll all stand before the Lord and our works will be tested. Guess what the word tested is? The same word, qualified. Qualified. And in that passage, Paul says, theoretically, you can spend your entire life building with wood, hay, and stubble. But here's what he says. Yet you will be saved, yet so as through fire. You'll suffer loss. Friend, your salvation is secure. But what is lost and forfeited is your rewards. Your rewards by how you ran. Your rewards by how you built. And this is what the word means. The word disqualified. I had to borrow a quarter this morning because I didn't even have a quarter. So I had to bomb a quarter off Dr. John. Here's a, a quarter from the United States of America. And you'll notice on our coins, all of them except a nickel and a penny, they have lines on the side of them. You see those, those lines that are around the edge of that coin? Do you know why those lines are there? Because years ago, even here, this is what this word means. When coins were made of gold and silver... Here's what would happen. I would go into a shop and I would buy something and I'd give the shop owner my coin. And that shop owner would say, yep, it's good. He'd give you the goods. And here's what he'd do that night. That night he'd take his knife 
And he'd file off just a few shavings of silver or gold, whatever the coin was. And he'd let it fall in a cup. The next day, another guy came in, he did the same thing. And eventually he shaved down about 40 coins. He's going to have a pretty good amount. But he shaved off so little that nobody could tell unless they had very accurate scales. That's what the word disqualified means. Paul says every time you let your flesh win, you're being scraped off and whittled down. Every time you give in to your flesh or to your emotions, every time you don't give yourself an opportunity to win, that knife is running right around you like this and it's scraping off some. And eventually what would happen after that coin had passed through about ten merchants who were dishonest and had shaved it down, it would finally come to one guy and he'd say, that coin ain't no good. You can't buy anything in my store with that coin. Why not? Son, that coin's been shaved down. It's, it's only got about half of its original weight. It's no good for anything. And Paul says that's what will happen to us if we don't run this race and give ourselves the opportunity to win. It's going to come a day when you can't even enter the race anymore because you're so shaved down. You're disqualified. See, I don't think Paul's talking about being disqualified eternally. I know he's not. But here's what he's talking about. What would happen if, God forbid, it was revealed that one of your pastors at Grace was involved in some type of moral failure this week? Next week, do they come in and just continue right on along like nothing's happened? Huh? Absolutely not. Why? Because they are disqualified from the race. And Paul says, horror of all horrors is that I be disqualified from running because this is my priority, this is my purpose in life, this is what I have been born again to do. And I'm not going to do anything to shave a little bit of my credibility off. Hey, you know why it is sometimes when we go to share the gospel with some folk and they laugh at us? You know why? Because for some reason, they have watched us disqualify ourselves. And they'll say, who are you to even talk to me about that? I know what you do. Shaving a little bit off. And before long, we're not even qualified to enter the race. Hey, winning at grace in 2023. I hope that 2023 is a year of personal victories for you spiritually one after another. But may it be a corporate, a year of corporate victory for Grace Church as we come together and as we train as finely conditioned athletes to pick this ball up and get it down the field. Hey, you ready to get in the gym? Let's get in it. Would you stand with me please? Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the direction it gives us. Thank you for the promise and prospect it holds out for our ultimate victory. And God, would you help each one of us to follow the pathway that Paul has set out for us to be victorious in 2023. I pray for those who are here today that have never been born again. And today's the day for them to enter the race. I pray, God, you give them confidence and courage to step forth in faith today. I pray for those whom you're calling to be a part of grace and to officially unite with this church and help us collectively move the ball downfield. I pray God today would be the day that 
they would step foot on the track and begin to run at grace with grace. God, whatever it is that you have said, we pray today in Jesus' name that we'll give ourselves the opportunity to win, not only for ourselves, but for the sake of the one who's worthy forever and ever. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Dr. John is up front. Colin Dollar is up front. If the Lord said something to you, and on this first day of the new year, you want to start it off right. One of these men would love to talk with you, love to pray about it with you. Whatever God said in Jesus' name, you be faithful.